Welcome back to the Leadership Cheat Code, where we unlock the cheat code to effective leadership. My name is Brian Vaughn, and today I have an exciting topic to discuss. Crucial leadership tips for first-time managers. Oh, this is going to be a good one. All right, this is going to be a great one for first-time managers. Becoming a manager for the first time can be both thrilling and challenging. So I'm here to provide you with five essential tips to help you navigate within this new role. Let's get started. Tip number one is setting clear expectations. As a first time manager, it's vital to communicate your expectations clearly to your team members. This helps set the foundation for a productive and effective work environment. So here are two strategies to help you with that. Strategy number one is to schedule regular team meetings. Schedule weekly or bi-weekly meetings to discuss goals, projects, and any challenges your team might be facing. These meetings are an essential strategy for effective team communication and coordination, and it also provides an opportunity to align everyone's efforts and ensure everyone understands what's expected of them. So here are five steps to execute this strategy. Number one is to set a consistent meeting schedule. Choose a suitable time and day for your team meetings. Right? It could be weekly, it could be bi-weekly, depending on your team's needs and the nature of the projects you're working on. Ensure that the schedule is communicated to all team members well in advance to avoid conflicts. Easiest way is to put an Outlook. Schedule it as a reoccurring meeting in Outlook. Make sure to attach your agenda or some type of documentation to take notes, but that way everybody has it on their calendar. Number two is to define meeting objectives. So before each meeting, set clear objectives and have an agenda. Outline the topics to be discussed, such as project updates, challenges faced, goals achieved, upcoming deadlines, and any other important information. Share the agenda with your team members beforehand to allow them to come prepared. Once again, this is a document that you can have within your Outlook invitation that's scheduled bi-weekly or weekly, that way your team members can access that document and make any type of updates to the document that they would like as far as their own projects, tasks, and things that they're working on. Step number three is to encourage active participation. So during the meeting, encourage open communication and active participation from all team members. Make sure to create a supportive and inclusive environment where team members feel comfortable sharing their thoughts, their concerns, and ideas. Listen actively to what each person has to say and ensure that everyone's opinions are valued. Number four is to address challenges and find solutions. Use the meeting as an opportunity to address any challenges or roadblocks that team members might be facing. Brainstorm potential solutions collectively and involve the relevant team members in the decision-making process. This approach fosters collaboration and empowers team members to take ownership of their work. And number five is to follow up and document actions. After the meeting, send out a summary of the key points discussed and the action items assigned to each member. Keep track of the progress made on these action items and follow up on them in the subsequent meetings to ensure that they are working on those and those things are being achieved. This helps to ensure accountability and it also helps in you as a leader to measure the team's performance and success. On to strategy number two, which is individual goal setting. Sit down with each team member and establish individual goals that align with the team objectives. This involves identifying personal aspirations, determining the steps needed to accomplish them, 
and establishing measurable criteria for success. This approach promotes accountability and empowers your team to take ownership of their work. So let's take a closer look at this particular strategy. Number one is to schedule one-on-one -on -one meetings. This is probably the most crucial meeting to ever have in your leadership life with your team are one-on-one -on -one meetings, right? This is your ability to arrange individual team meetings with each team member in a private, comfortable setting, whether it is virtual or face-to-face. -face. This ensures a focused and confidential environment to discuss personal aspirations, career goals, challenges, problems, issues, concerns, all those different things. Make sure to allocate enough time for each meeting to allow for open and meaningful discussions. A good practice is to have a document. I'm going to tell you what I personally use. I have a document that I use with my team. And the first half of the document is all about their goals and projects and deliverables. The second half of the document is all about their career development. Right? What, what are they doing today to move the needle in their own personal career development, their career development plan that we've established and kind of checking in on that progress that they're making, right? So if you want to divvy up your one-on-ones and kind of divide it into the first 30 minutes is all about the goals and objectives. And then the second 30 minutes is all about their career development. That's a great practice. It's one that I use today. Okay, on to number two, which is discuss team objectives. Begin the meeting by clearly outlining the team's objectives and how each team member's contributions play a crucial role in achieving them. Emphasize the importance of aligning individual goals with the team's overarching mission to create a sense of purpose and share responsibility. Number three is to identify personal aspirations. Encourage team members to reflect on their personal aspirations, both short-term and long-term. This could include career growth, skill development, or other professional and personal objectives. Listen actively and empathetically to their aspirations, ensuring that they feel heard and understood. And number four is to establish SMART goals. Work collaboratively with each team member to set SMART goals, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound goals. Help them break down their aspirations into actionable steps and define clear metrics to measure their progress and success. SMART goals provide clarity. We all know SMART goals, right? They help us to provide clarity, ensure that we're on track to meet those goals, to ensure that they are realistic and that those goals are attainable. And number five is to foster accountability and ownership. Encourage a sense of ownership and accountability among team members regarding their own individual goals. Regularly check in with them to review their progress. Once again, you could do it in their one-on-ones. Uh, this way you can provide feedback and offer support when it is needed. Make sure to celebrate success and to help them overcome any challenges they encounter along the way. Right. Once again, our job as a leader is to clear the path for them. All right, so moving on to tip number two, which is active listening. So you're gonna hear you're gonna hear this a lot. Active listening. Effective communication is a fundamental aspect of leadership. And with active listening, you are fully focused on understanding and responding to the speaker. It goes beyond just simply hearing the words being spoken, right? And it really requires you to be attentive and to apply uh, your concentration and empathy in that moment. So here are some things that you can do to be a better active listener. Number one is to practice empathic listening. This is the core of habit five. Seek first to understand, then to be understood, is to practice empathic listening. When your team members come to you with their ideas, concerns, or feedback, give them your full attention. 
actively and sincerely seek to understand and connect with their emotions, their perspectives, and their experiences. This helps to build trust and fosters a collaborative work environment. So here are five things that you can do to practice empathic listening. Number one is to be fully present, right? Be in the moment with them. So when a team member is approaching you with their ideas, their concerns, or their feedback, set aside all distractions, right? And give them your undivided attention. Don't be on your phone. Don't be on your computer. Give them your undivided attention. That is exactly what they're looking for in that moment. That way you can focus on the conversation at hand. Show that you value their input and that you're genuinely interested in what they have to say. Number two is to listen actively. So to engage in active listening, you utilize this by giving verbal and nonverbal cues to ensure or to communicate that you are paying attention, right? That could be things like nodding your head, maintaining eye contact, using encouraging phrases like, I see, I understand, tell me more. Just make sure that you are paying attention to the conversation because sometimes we can get into that, I see, I understand, tell me more robotic phase and we're not even truly listening. Make sure you're truly listening as listening helps to encourage the team member to express themselves openly and honestly. All right, so let's get to number three, which is to validate emotion and experiences. Empathic listening goes beyond just hearing words. It involves acknowledging and validating the emotions and experiences expressed by your team member. Let them know that their feelings are understood and their feelings are appreciated. You can say things like, I can imagine that must have been challenging, or I appreciate you sharing your perspective. Let them know they feel valued their ideas are valued, that they are heard in that moment. Number four is to avoid interrupting or judging or interrupting or judging or interrupting or judging, right? I'm saying it so many times because we have a tendency to interrupt and to judge other people. Allow the team member to express themselves fully without interrupting them. Avoid passing judgment or immediately just jumping into solutions. Sometimes people just need you to hear what they got to say. They just need to vent or they just wanna share their feelings without seeking immediate advice. Not everybody's always seeking advice. That is not always the purpose of that interaction. They just may need somebody to hear them out. And they probably can come up with their own solution once they are hearing it back, once they're talking it through with someone. So let them know that you are there to listen and that you are there to support them. And number five is to reflect and respond empathically. After the team member has shared their thoughts, Take a moment to reflect on what they've said before responding. If you are unsure about anything, ask clarifying questions to gain a deeper understanding. This is that time to do that. When you respond, show empathy and understanding by acknowledging their perspective and discussing potential next steps collaboratively. Now, that is the moment. Once they feel heard, that is the moment that you can step in and together, collaboratively, discuss next steps or any type of solutions to implement. Strategy number two is to provide regular feedback. Make feedback an ongoing process rather than just a once a year event. Schedule regular check-ins with your team to provide constructive feedback. That is very important that you do that. Nobody likes to wait until their performance review to find out how they did. Continuous constructive feedback throughout the year. Recognize their accomplishments, right? So this gives you the ability to really recognize their accomplishments, and to offer any guidance for improvement. This helps them to grow professionally and boost their morale. So here's some things that you can do to provide regular feedback. 
Number one is to establish clear objectives. So before starting any type of regular feedback session, set clear objectives for each team member. These objectives should align with their roles and responsibilities, as well as the overall goals of the team or organization. Having well-defined objectives will provide a framework for feedback discussions and make the process more meaningful. Number two is to schedule consistent check-ins. So set up a regular schedule for feedback sessions with each team member, right? I have one-on-one -on -one meetings bi-monthly with every team member where we go through feedback, right? It is, it is a very frequent thing that we do. And that frequency can vary depending on the needs and preferences of their team. And I ask my team, what would be the best time? What would be the best day for you to meet? Are you a morning person? Are you an afternoon person? I want to make it so that they are in that mode to provide their best in that one-on-one -on -one meeting, right? So I'm asking them their preferences, but I still want to make sure that it at least happens monthly, quarterly. I told you I do bi-weekly. So whatever fits your particular schedule, you don't want to go too long without giving that feedback, without having those regular check-ins. Consistency is the key. That is the key to maintaining open communication and building trust with your teams. Number three is to create a safe and supportive environment. So feedback sessions should be a safe space, right? This is a safe space for that person, for those team members to feel comfortable expressing their thoughts and their concerns. As a leader, our job in that moment is to actively listen to their feedback and respond empathically. Avoid being overly critical or negative, and instead focus on providing constructive feedback, feedback that helps improve their capability, right? That is what feedback is designed to do. And it is also designed to have actionable suggestions for improvement. All right, number four is to recognize achievements. So during feedback sessions, make sure that you acknowledge and celebrate your team members' accomplishments and their contributions. Recognizing their efforts and success is going to boost their morale and the morale of the team is going to help motivate them to continue performing at their best. Genuine appreciation goes a long way in fostering a positive work environment. Try it. You'd be surprised. Reinforcement, positive appreciation is a key to creating a motivational environment. Okay. On to number five, which is to document feedback and progress. Keep track of the feedback shared during each session and the progress made by the team members. Documenting the feedback helps you track their professional growth over time and to identify any reoccurring issues or themes that need to be addressed. Additionally, it serves as a reference point for future discussions. That way, when you're coming back for your next one-on-ones or your next feedback sessions, you have that data, that information. This helps to ensure continuity in the feedback process. Tip number three is make sure you delegate effectively. As a first-time manager, it is tempting to try to take on everything yourself. I mean, we're used to that. We're coming from an individual contributor role where we probably did and had responsibility for all the work. And now we're moving into a leadership role where we have to learn how to delegate. And sometimes we want to take on things all by ourselves because, hey, who's best at getting it done? But we have to learn how to delegate. It is not sustainable, nor is it practical in the long run because you're going to eventually burn yourself out and you don't want to burn yourself out. So let's look at some strategies to help you delegate tasks effectively. Strategy number one is to assess individual strengths. So take the time to identify and understand the unique abilities, talents, and qualities that each individual team member possesses. By assigning tasks that align with their abilities and their talents, you'll maximize productivity and enhance job satisfaction. So here are five things that you can do to put into action when you are assessing individual strengths. 
Number one is to conduct individual assessments. This gives you the ability to individually assess or evaluate each team member to identify their strength, their abilities, and their talents. This could be done through those one-on-one -on -one meetings. It could be self-assessment questionnaires that you provide to them. It could be performance reviews. It could be you conducting a competency gap analysis. It could be you receiving feedback from peers and other leaders that those team members have worked with in the past. It is getting information that allows you to assess and evaluate the strength and the skills and the talents of each of those team members. The goal is to gain a comprehensive understanding of what they excel at and what they enjoy doing. Number two is to identify key strengths. Analyze the data collected from the assessment to identify their key strengths for each team member. Right, so look for patterns, look for reoccurring themes in their skills, their experiences, and their preferences. These could be areas such as technical skills, interpersonal skills, communication skills, problem-solving abilities, leadership qualities, or other attributes that stand out. And then number three is to match those tasks to their strengths. Once you've identified the strengths of each team member, align tasks and responsibilities with their respective abilities. Assigning tasks that play to their strengths will not only improve their performance, but also increase their motivation and job satisfaction. For example, if someone is great at data analytics, allocate projects that require analytical thinking and data interpretation to them. They will be best suited to do that because that is something that's in their wheelhouse, right? That's a strength of theirs. So give that to them. Play to people's strengths and allow them to excel in those areas when you are delegating tasks. And number four is to provide training and support. While assigning tasks based on strengths is beneficial, it is essential to provide continuous training and support to further develop and hone those strengths. Offer workshops and courses and mentorship opportunities. And if your organization has a, uh, a learning platform uh, that they can use like a LMS, then they can take online courses through those LMS. But just allow team members the ability to enhance their skills and to stay updated with industry trends to ensure that they are able to grow their strengths exponentially over time. And number five is to encourage collaboration. Foster a collaborative environment where team members can leverage each other's strengths, encourage open communication uh, with the team and knowledge sharing uh, and expertise sharing within that team as well. When the team members collaborate, they can combine their strengths to tackle complex challenges and to create more innovative solutions. Not working in silos, but collaboratively, synergistically. So let's look at strategy number two, providing clear instructions. So when delegating tasks, be specific about your expectations, the deadlines, and the desired outcomes. Ensure your team members have all the necessary information and resources to complete their assignment successfully. Give clear instructions. These instructions are essential for effective communication and successful outcomes. So here are five things to consider when providing these clear instructions. So number one is to define the task clearly. Before delegating any task, take a moment, take the time to clearly define what needs to be done. This means breaking down the task into specific actionable steps. Avoid vague instructions that could lead to misunderstandings, but be specific. Be very specific in your task. What do you want them to really do? Make sure that you understand the task yourself, because if you don't understand the task, how can you clearly communicate it to your team members? Okay, number two, set clear expectations. 
Be explicit about your expectations for the task. Outline the desired outcome and the level of quality you expect. Clarify any specific guidelines or requirements that need to be followed. If there are any particular standards or procedures to adhere to, communicate them clearly to your team. Don't let them leave, and that information is crucial to helping them be successful. Give them what they need to be successful. Always remember, expectations are only as effective as they are specific. Number three is to specify deadlines and prioritize. Establish clear deadlines for completing the task. If the task is part of a larger project or has dependencies on other tasks, make sure to convey its priority level. Providing the timeline will help team members manage their time effectively and to prioritize their work accordingly. Number four is to ensure access to information and available resources. So verify that team members have access to all the information and resources necessary to accomplish the task. This may include providing access to relevant documents and data, tools and software, uh, any document storage system like SharePoint they may need access to. Address any concerns or questions they might have about the task to avoid potential roadblocks. And then of course, number five is to encourage questions and feedback. Encourage open communication with your team members and let them know that they can ask any questions that they need in order to gain clarity of what is being delegated to them. Or they may just need additional guidance, but allow them to ask questions. Be receptive to feedback and be willing to provide further explanation if needed. A two-way communication channel ensures that everyone is on the same page and it also reduces the likelihood of any misunderstandings. So moving on to tip four, lead by example. Your behavior and actions as a manager means setting a positive and influential role model for others through your own actions, your own behaviors, your work ethic, etc. It involves demonstrating the values, the qualities, and the behaviors that you expect from others and inspiring them to follow suit. Because if you're not displaying the behaviors, how can you expect them to model those behaviors? You have to display those behaviors as a leader and then encourage your team to display those same behaviors. Lead by example. So let's talk about what are some strategies to help you lead by example? Strategy number one is to demonstrate integrity. Be honest, transparent, and consistent in your actions, in your deeds, in your task, in your walk, in your talk with your team members. Uphold ethical standards and make decisions that align with the organization's values. This fosters trust and builds a strong foundation for effective leadership. So here are five things that you can do to demonstrate integrity. Number one is to set clear ethical standards. Establish a set of clear ethical principles and standards that align with the organization's values and missions. Communicate these standards to your team members and ensure they understand the importance of upholding them in all aspects of their work. Number two is actually leading by example. As a leader, it is essential for you to embody the values and behavior you expect from your team. If you need for your team to be respectful, you must yourself demonstrate respect. If you want your team to demonstrate honesty and transparency and consistency, you must do the same in your own actions and in your own decision-making processes. So when faced with ethical dilemmas, make choices that reflect your commitment to integrity. Number three is to encourage open communication. Create an environment where team members feel comfortable expressing their opinions and their concerns without fear of retribution or judgment or ridicule. Encouraging open communication allows you to address potential ethical issues early and reinforces the importance of transparency and honesty within your team. Number four is to reward ethical behavior. So recognize and reward team members who consistently demonstrate integrity and uphold ethical standards. Positive reinforcement reinforces the values of integrity within an organization and motivates others to follow suit. 
Number five is to address ethical lapses promptly. So if a ethical lapse occurs within team, you got to make sure as a leader that you address it promptly and appropriately. First, you make sure you investigate the issue thoroughly. Consider the context and take necessary corrective actions. There's nothing like dealing with some type of corrective performance, ethical issue, finding out that's not how it actually happened. So you have to make sure you do your own due diligence as a leader. Making sure that you handle any ethical violations decisively, this shows your commitment to maintaining a culture of integrity and trust. Strategy number two is to show accountability. Take ownership of your mistakes as a leader and learn from them. Hold yourself to the same standard you expect for your team. When your team sees you taking responsibility, it encourages them to do the same. They take responsibility, right? When they see you being respectful, they in turn be respectful. It encourages them to do and model that same behavior. It also allows you to foster a culture of accountability and continuous improvement. So here are five things to consider when you are showing accountability. Number one is to acknowledge and reflect on mistakes. So when you make a mistake, don't shy away from it or try to shift blame. Instead, acknowledge the error openly and take time to reflect on what went wrong and why. Understanding the root cause of the mistake will help you to avoid repeating it in the future. Number two, take immediate responsibility. As a leader, it is essential to take immediate ownership of your mistakes. Communicate with your team and your superiors about errors as soon as possible. Being transparent about your actions demonstrates integrity, and it helps to set a positive example for your team. Don't try to push blame. Don't try to shift the blame. Number three is to learn and adapt. Once you've acknowledged the mistake, focus on learning from it. Identify the lessons you can take from it and the experiences and use them to adapt your approach going forward. Emphasize continuous improvement and show your team that you're committed to growing and developing as a leader. Nobody's perfect, right? As a leader, we're going to make mistakes, but it is how we handle those mistakes that really sets us apart from mediocre leaders and great leaders. Handle your mistakes with care. Own up to your mistakes. And number four is to set high standards for yourself. Hold yourself to the same high standards you expect for your team. Be consistent in your actions and in your decisions. When your team sees you striving for excellence for that higher level, they will be more inclined to do the same. And number five is to encourage open feedback. Create an environment where feedback is welcome and it is valued by yourself and by the organization. Encourage your team members to share their thoughts and their ideas openly. Even if they are pointing out areas where you made a mistake and you know you made a mistake and now your team is coming to you pointing out the issue, be open to it. Be receptive to that. Show your appreciation for their honesty and assure them that you are receptive to constructive criticism. And then finally, tip number five is to invest in personal development. As a leader, your growth should never stop. So here are some things that you can do to invest in your own personal development. Strategy number one, seek out learning opportunities. Attend workshops, conferences, or training sessions to enhance your leadership skills. Engage in self-study by reading books, listening to podcasts like this one, or you can follow thought leaders in your own industry. But just make sure that you stay curious and open-minded. So here are some things you can do. Five, specifically, that you can do to continuously put learning to the forefront of your leadership capabilities, your leadership journey. Number one is to identify areas for improvement. Assess your current leadership skills and identify areas where you like to improve. 
This could be related to areas like communication or decision making or team management or emotional intelligence or delegation or any other aspect of leadership that you feel you could benefit further development from. And then number two is to set specific goals. Based on the areas you've identified, set specific and measurable learning goals. For example, you might aim to improve your communication skills by attending a public speaking workshop or enhancing your emotional intelligence by reading books on the topic. Setting clear goals helps you to stay focused and motivated. All right, number three is to research learning opportunities. Explore available learning opportunities that align with your goals. Look for workshops and conferences and training programs and courses and webinars that offer valuable insight and training in the areas you want to develop. Consider the reputation and credibility of the facilitator. So important. Okay, so important. So many people are out here who claim to be X, Y, and Z, but in reality are not. So consider the reputation and credibility of the facilitators or trainers to ensure that you invest your time in worthwhile activities. Do your due diligence. Trust me, it's going to save you a lot of time, a lot of headache. Number four is to participate actively in learning activities. Once you've chosen the learning opportunities, actively participate and engage in the activities. If you're going to sign up for a course, a training program, a webinar, actively participate. That's why you're there, right? Engage in the activities to learn, to take in the information, to further develop your skills. So take notes, ask questions, interact with other participants to get the most out of that experience. That's why you are there. If you are engaged in self-study through books and podcasts or thought leadership, make sure that you set time aside to focus on doing that, right? It could be, I'm going to listen to this podcast, this leadership podcast, two hours a day. Could be, right? You could read a certain book for two hours a day, or I'm going to read two chapters today, or I'm going to listen to this particular thought leader. But make sure that you set aside dedicated time for focused learning. And then number five is to apply the new knowledge and skills that you have learned, right? You've heard the saying, knowledge is power. Not so much true. Applied knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is power. So make sure that what you're learning is most effective when you apply it to real life situations. Take that knowledge and take the skills that you've acquired, incorporate them into your own leadership practice. That's why you want to learn those things, right? So that you can then take those and employ them into your own leadership practice. Make sure that you are being proactive in implementing that new communication technique or that new decision-making process or that team building strategy. And then reflect on your progress and make any adjustments as needed to continue growing as a leader. And then number two is to find a mentor, right? There are tons of great mentors out there. I've had a few in my life. I had one really, really amazing one. But look for experienced leaders who can provide guidance and support as you navigate your own leadership role. Their insight and wisdom can be invaluable in your professional growth journey. So here are five things to consider when you're looking for a mentor. And trust me, these are the five things you need to consider. When you say, hey, I need a mentor, what, do I, what am I looking for in a mentor? Number one is to identify your goals and needs. What are you really looking for? So before you even seek a mentor, take some time to reflect on your own professional goals and the specific areas where you need guidance and support. Understand what you want to achieve through mentorship and the skills or knowledge you want to develop. This clearly will help you find a mentor who aligns well with your own needs. Number two is to leverage your professional networks, right? We all have LinkedIn networks. I'm sure most of you have LinkedIn profiles or you are on social media or you have some type of networking platform within your own organization. 
take advantage of those. Start by exploring your professional networks, both within your organization and outside. Look for experienced leaders who have the expertise and track record in the areas you want to improve. Attend industry events and conferences and networking sessions to expand your connections and increase the chances of finding a suitable mentor. Number three is to reach out and initiate contact. Once you've identified potential mentors, take the initiative to reach out to them. Craft a concise and respectful message explaining why you admire their work and how you believe their guidance could benefit your leadership journey. Be genuine and show your willingness to learn from them. And then number four is to establish mutual agreement. So when you find a mentor who is willing to work with you, set clear expectations and goals for the mentorship, which is why you did that like in step one. So you know why you are looking for a mentor and what this mentor is expected to do in this mentor-mentee relationship. Discuss the frequency and mode of communication. Is this going to be in person? Is it going to be through meetings or virtual calls or emails? Talk about the duration of the mentorship. How long is it supposed to last? Six months, three months, right? Nine months, a year, two years. Talk to them about how long you want that mentorship to last. Sometimes mentorship may be only for a certain duration of time, but communicate that to them. And any other specific topics that you like to focus on. Make sure you're respectful of their time and their commitments as well. And number five is be open. Be open, be respectful, and be grateful. During the mentorship, be open to receiving feedback because they're going to give you a whole lot of it. And a lot of feedback you probably don't want to hear, but they're going to give you feedback and advice to help you grow. So take time to actively listen to your mentor's insight and apply them to your leadership practices. Be respectful of their expertise and their time investment. Remember to express gratitude for their guidance and their support regularly. That's why they're there. That's why you sought them out and so that they can provide that feedback and guidance and support. And as a mentor and as someone who has been mentored and has been a mentor to others, it is a great experience that allows you to receive critical feedback to set you on the right path in your leadership journey. Okay, all right, so there you have it. Five crucial leadership tips for first-time managers. Remember, it is setting clear expectations in the very beginning, active listening, effective delegation, leading by example, and investing in your own personal development. These are the keys to your success as a new manager. I hope you found these strategies helpful. If you enjoyed this information, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our podcast for more valuable content. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, to unlock your leadership effectiveness, you must master the cheat code. See you next time. 